Yusim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Yusim TV Live. So this is Yusim TV Live. Welcome everybody. Don't forget before we begin to follow, like and share Yusim TV Live with many interesting subjects to be discussed on in Yusim TV Live. So with us today with you is me, Norfadila Mama Ali. I'm an associate professor at the Faculty of Sharia and Law. And in this section today, we are going to talk about a very important topic. That is, how to resolve conflicts wisely, resolving conflicts wisely. So with us today, we have a special guest. We bring from United States of America, that is Professor Emeritus Dr. Amal Abdallah, okay, a scholar in residence in Baker Institute, uh, Institute of Peace and Conflict Studies at Juniata College, United States of America. And he is also a professor emeritus at the United Nations mandated university, University for Peace, with its main campus at Costa Rica. So this is very special today with an, a very important guest to talk about why do we need to understand conflict? Why is conflict something that needs to be managed? Why is peace important in order to attain a harmonious society? Okay, so this program is brought to you today um, under a project 
uh, Youth Foresight and Civic Education, a project between uh, United University of Science Islam Malaysia with uh, the United States of America, Kuala Lumpur, Embassy here. And it is also a program under our mediation units of legal clinic of Faculty of Sharia and Law. So under that um, uh, mediation unit, we bring to the public the awareness of what conflict is and how do we resolve conflicts amicably and more in a sustainable manner. Okay, Prof. Okay, so um, first of all, uh, let me introduce to you our professor here. And um, you know, if you are aware, if you follow uh, what Professor Amar is doing, he is very active in conflict resolution uh, awareness. So there are so many fascinating things there that you have done. Can you please talk a bit about your activities and your engagement in conflict resolution? Uh, first, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Fadila and USIM, yeah. uh, for this generous invitation to come here to my beloved Malaysia. Yeah, welcome. Uh, it is an honor to be here uh, with all your colleagues, and I look forward to all the activities that we will do this week. Inshallah. Um, my uh, interest and uh, work in the field of peace and conflict, uh, I actually, to speak about that, I have to speak about my academic and professional background back for, from where I grew up in Egypt. Okay. Uh, I finished law school in Egypt. Mm -hmm. uh, and law school in Egypt is a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. You end up with an LLB degree. Mm -hmm. And I studied law uh, in Naim Shams University. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, studying law in Egypt entails also studying Sharia mm -hmm. for four years. Mm -hmm. So that was my foundational academic background, law and Sharia. And I practiced law in Egypt as a prosecutor for about seven years, from 1979 until about 1986. Yeah. Uh, I have seen a lot of uh, conflicts, of course, being a prosecutor. And I worked uh, as a prosecutor uh, dealing with those issues from that uh, legal and judicial angle. Mm. What I discovered over the years, that as much as we were helping to establish peace, security, to some extent, mm -hmm. and to resolve conflicts uh, using the legal and judicial uh, methods. But there were always more dimensions to conflict that it seemed that we are not addressing using the legal profession. Mm -hmm. There are sometimes social factors that influence people into mm -hmm. getting into conflict. Mm -hmm. There are psychological factors, there are cultural factors, religious factors, you name it. Mm -hmm. And of course, as a prosecutor, your job is not to delve into those areas as much as to focus on the legal and the judicial. Yeah. Uh, however, I was always interested in those dimensions. Mm. And by a strike of luck, mm. uh, I got an opportunity to go and study in the United States in 1984 okay. uh, for one year on a fellowship. Okay. And of all universities of the United States, I went to a university outside of the Washington, D.C. area called George Mason University. Yeah, okay. By also a strike of luck, George Mason University, a year before, had just started a master's degree program in the field of peace and conflict studies. And I was very surprised by that field and what mm. is it about. Mm. And I was fascinated to see that they uh, advertised the program uh, in terms of how it is multidimensional and multidisciplinary. Yeah. Looking at conflict from the uh, historical perspective, cultural perspective, psychological sociological, legal, mm -hmm. political. Mm -hmm. And by then, I was very ready to embrace this approach to conflict rather than only the legal approach that I have been doing as a prosecutor. Yeah. So I decided that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. 
interesting. I've, yeah, I finished my uh, my scholarship or fellowship, went back home for two more years in Egypt, and then I returned it to the U.S. in 87, mm -hmm. uh, and I have been there since then. I finished my master's degree in sociology and conflict studies, mm -hmm. and then my PhD in conflict analysis and resolution mm -hmm. from George Mason University. Mm -hmm. And I changed my entire career into academia, research and evaluation and teaching and training in the field of peace and conflict since then. Yeah, very interesting to see how someone from the legal background transformed nat naturally towards the field of peace and conflict studies. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I would say that I am very grateful for mm -hmm. this combination. Mm -hmm. I learned so much from my legal background, from mm -hmm. the, my Sharia background, yeah. and also from everything I learned from the field of peace and conflict as an academic field. Mm -hmm. In addition to the practice of peace and conflict I did worldwide, oh, okay. I was also fortunate that because of the nature of our work in peace and conflict, yeah. I traveled to so many countries, actually yeah, 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 yeah. 70 countries almost that I travel to doing training and research and evaluation and mm -hmm. teaching. And uh, I feel blessed yeah, for it, this. It feels so fascinating to see how big the community is in conflict resolution. From your engagement alone, uh, I mean, it's huge over there. Isn't it? Absolutely. And because <laughs> conflict is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all communities, all societies, all individuals will always deal with conflict. Mm -hmm. Our task is to educate people about how to deal with conflict, effect, conflict effectively, effectively so that they can reach what you mentioned, sustainable peace. You're right. Okay, so um, audience out there, we are talking about peace and conflict and conflict resolution. So maybe people out there are asking, what is peace actually? What is conflict? Can, can you please uh, enlighten us uh, on your perspective, what peace and conflict is? Actually, this in itself is such an important question. Mm. especially when you come from the legal background. Mm -hmm. When you are a lawyer or you study law, they train you from day one that every word has to have one concise definition yeah. and that everyone has to understand the word the same way or the sentence because this is how you can develop a successful, effective legal system. Yeah. If everyone understands what uh, theft is, what murder is, what uh, any kind of issue is, then the judge can, can do things and the lawyer in ways that are consistent and equitable. Yeah. But in the field of peace and conflict, I think we are looking at perspectives coming from humanities and social sciences. Yeah. And therefore, I cannot say that there is one definition of conflict that can be so concise. Mm -hmm. Let Except, of course, if you use, say, international law definitions of conflict. Mm -hmm. But conflict is much bigger than just international law. Yeah. So I think that we can talk about certain elements that must exist for us to say there is a conflict. Mm -hmm. And even then, there will be disagreements. Mm -hmm. For example, mm -hmm. some people will say that there is a conflict whenever two or more entities, mm -hmm. people or otherwise, mm -hmm. have disagreement over certain interests and they cannot achieve them simultaneously. Yeah. Other people would say, no, there must be some interference from one side against the other mm -hmm. or obstruction. Mm -hmm. And that's what can start to create tension and struggle between the, the parties. And that's when we have conflict. I see. So this is pretty much in general sense what any conflict in the world is all about. Yeah. Two or more parties having different interests, divergent, and they obstruct each other or interfere with each other, or at least perceive that. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they start to resort to actions mm -hmm. that may make them achieve their interest at the expense of the other. Yeah. Peace, what is peace? 
that is another more complex question mm -hmm. because in my opinion peace has different meanings depending on the situation you are looking at mm -hmm. what kind of situation people are dealing with yeah. and accordingly peace for them will mean something that may be different from what peace is for other people. That is interesting. And I'll give you a, a true story about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I went one time to Liberia, which is a small country in West Africa, mm -hmm. suffered from a civil war that was vicious in the first part of the 1990s. Mm -hmm. uh, the war was civil war. Everyone is fighting everyone. Mm -hmm. Many people are dead, refugees, internally displaced people. It was such a difficult time for everyone. Everyone suffered. Yeah. And everyone had enough of the shooting and killing happening every day. So finally, things calmed down. And then peace building programs started to be established. Yeah. So I went to, to do evaluation and research on existing peace building programs to mm -hmm. see how effective they are. Yeah. So we did a survey on the streets. Yeah. And we were asking people, what does peace look like? to you, oh. the people who were suffering, those people who are affected by the conflict. Okay. I still remember a woman responding mm -hmm. to the survey said, mm -hmm. peace for me means mm -hmm. that I can send my son to school oh. and no one will shoot at them. That's it. That's all she aspired for at that time. If you only give me a sense of security and my child can go to school and nobody shoots at them, mm -hmm. I am grateful. That's good enough because she has seen enough for five, six years of the killing and shooting. So for me, as a peace practitioner, yeah. if I take that definition, that answer, and mm -hmm. I try to formulate peace programs, mm -hmm. I need to formulate the programs around uh, achieving security for this country. Mm -hmm. So I need to put more allocation of resources towards police, military, oh. taking out the, uh, um, uh, the weapons from, from those who are fighting mm -hmm. so that we can have security and safety. However, say that this same woman in a year or two of safety and security, mm -hmm. if I go back and ask her, what is peace for you? Mm -hmm. She probably will say peace for me is to have reconstruction of our country or to have justice for mm -hmm. those who committed atrocities. Yeah. So here I need now to focus on the justice system, mm -hmm. developing an effective transitional model of justice, for example, to see who can come and rebuild the homes that were destroyed and that will be peace. Mm -hmm. So I want to say that depending on the situation and depending on our analysis and assessment, mm -hmm. we can determine, not based on our own opinion as researchers, but based on what people on the ground what? feel and know they want. Mm -hmm. That's what we say, this is peace. Let us work towards the peace that mm -hmm. people want. Mm -hmm. That's a clever way of looking at it. I mean, you, you don't... Uh, uh, give a blanket understanding what peace is, and then in, uh, you know make people impose the idea on them. Exactly, yeah. like what we say, like there is no one size fits all. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe the audience would like to know. In our daily life, we uh, we have friends, we have families, you know, and some of our friends or families, or even ourselves, we unintentionally um, involve in a conflict. Yeah for one reason or another. Why do people generally uh, be in a conflict? What's the problem? Very good. <laughs> well, first, let us agree mm. that uh, conflict is inevitable, meaning okay. that mm. no matter what society you're in, mm. no matter what setting you're in, workplace, family, uh, nation, state, mm -hmm. there will always be conflict. Yeah. 
the question is, as you say, like, mm. why do we deal with conflict yeah. in ways that make things bad and difficult? Mm. And that is because the tendency for us humans in general is that when I feel that I want to achieve something uh, and you want to achieve something else and we cannot see eye to eye mm. and to the extent that I will try to pursue what I want, it will be at your expense yeah. or vice versa. If we cannot find a way to discuss and find a good middle ground or some compromise or arrangement that will help both of us to feel satisfied, mm -hmm. then probably I will start to feel frustrated yeah. to the extent that you are interfering with my ability to achieve what I want. And to the extent that I am doing the same, mm. there will be frustration. There will be anger. Mm. There will be fear a lot of negative emotions and and then i will start to perceive you in a negative way ah. you may have been my best friend but mm. now that we have this problem mm -hmm. i start to change my mind about you and then i say oh my god i was mm. fooled you were such a bad person all the way and mm. i did not know that and now i start to treat you differently and you treat me differently and then before we know it, we start to resort to actions that mm. are negative mm -hmm. or even violent because oh. each of us is trying to achieve what they want. At the same time, each of us sees each, the other as a bad person. Mm -hmm. And as such, I give myself the right to punish you mm. or to treat you in a given my power mm -hmm. dynamic. I can do things to you that otherwise I wouldn't do. But now I feel justified in punishing because I believe this is the right thing oh. because of where I am and how I feel that you are bad. So it's position-based. So position from based. your explanation just now, we saw uh, the study of conflicts makes you realize the cycle. Uh, like you begin from feeling like this and then it happened like this and yep. like that. And then eventually you do some physical actions. Yep. Unless if you know about this cycle, then we could stop somewhere in the middle before it becomes more serious. Exactly. And this cycle is a, some of some of the terminologies we use to refer to it as escalation. Conflict oh, escalation. Yeah. Things the word, keep the word escalating. is escalation. Yes. And uh -huh. how it keeps getting worse. Uh -huh. And there are triggers that can make me more upset. And uh -huh. then I find how I can hurt you. Uh -huh. And then when I hurt you, you get upset and you want to hurt me. Okay. And when I say that, uh, this applies to individuals and in, in communities. Nation and, states. Yeah. This is universal in yeah. how we analyze conflicts. Mm -hmm. So this is where we get stuck in conflicts. I see. Is that when we are uh, unable to communicate and we continue to perceive the other side as a bad person. As a creature, as a demon. Demonize <laughs> them or even dehumanize De them. Oh, yeah. And by the way, this is an important dynamic for any human being in a conflict is to the extent that I demonize you or dehumanize you. Mm -hmm. This is important because it gives me the right to exercise as much violence against you oh, yeah. and not to feel bad about it. Oh. A lot of the examples of atrocities, atrocities, genocide, violent extremism are driven by that notion that the other is a demon or a superior dehumanized. Race, yeah. And the other party is a superior race, etc. Exactly. Okay. And that's when conflicts become very, very violent. Violent. Yeah. So this is where we get stuck. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I assume in between where you want to stop uh, the the escalation, the word is diffuse. Uh, yes. I mean, uh, somehow to you know to to make it slow down. So 
Um, from the topic, we, this topic today is resolving uh, conflicts wisely. From your perspective, what does it mean by wise, do it wise here? Excellent. I think based on what we just explained, uh -huh. uh, the unwise way of dealing with conflict is to let your emotions and uh, negative perceptions of the other take over you. Okay. And then if you have the amount of power that allow you to exercise some level of force or, vi or violence, you will use it. The problem is the other side is not going to sit around, especially if they have some level of power as well. Yeah. And if they have, then they will start to hurt you as well. Mm -hmm. So this is the unwise way because we, many of us get stuck. In, think of family level issues, think of community level issues workplace yeah. issues mm -hmm. you find that people get stuck at that level mm -hmm. so what is wise then mm -hmm. wise will be to number one understand those processes mm -hmm. understand those dynamics learn about how conflicts develop inside us as human beings mm -hmm. and why do i develop this anger and frustration and mm -hmm. fear mm -hmm. and how do i respond by developing the negative perception of the other and if I can capture this mm -hmm. and then realize that I am not achieving my interest, interest really, mm -hmm. or the other is not achieving their interest, mm -hmm. and that if I stop for a second and mm -hmm. accept that as much as I think I am right mm -hmm. and I am the good person, mm -hmm. the other side also mm -hmm. think that they are the right and the good person. Yeah. As I always say in my teaching of peace and conflict, no one wakes up in the morning thinking they are the bad person. Oh, yeah. No one. <laughs> no one, yeah. So if I start to accept that as much as I want to believe I am the good person, you are the bad person, mm -hmm. you also think the same, that mm -hmm. you are the good, I am the bad. Mm -hmm. Why it starts with trying to understand the story from mm -hmm. the other side as much as I understand it from my side. Mm -hmm. And if I can make this effort to try to see how can you wake up in the morning think you are the, thinking you are the, better, the right person and to try to figure a way to communicate with you based mm -hmm. on this legitimizing of mm -hmm. your interests and mm -hmm. needs mm -hmm. as much as I legitimize mine, mm -hmm. then probably there is a better chance yeah. than we, that we will stop or diffuse, as you said, the escalation oh. and the negative behavior and we will start to see how can we pursue mm -hmm. our interests mutually yeah. and find a way to coexist or even to separate but with peace yeah. not necessarily with violence and hatred, and hatred yeah. for me that is wise way of dealing with conflict okay so that's very interesting uh people out there from uh, still following us in ucm tv live don't forget to follow like and share uh, ucm tv live link from wherever you are in the world Okay, so I know that some of your colleagues are also watching uh, from the United States of America. Okay, so we have talked about what WISE is and you've um, mentioned to us WISE is basically if you have knowledge, you, you know where to, how to, to react, how to intervene in, in a conflict. Okay, maybe some tips from you if you, you have in order for us to be a society which is um, free from, we can't, cannot say free from conflict, but know how to handle conflicts what would be your your words for us excellent as we agreed that mm -hmm. conflicts will always happen yeah the question is how can we deal with them wisely mm. and i would say every society is unique mm -hmm. and we go back again to the principle no one size fits all okay so we need to have active effective ways of analyzing and assessing conflicts 
And when we assess conflicts, we need to assess not only the specific conflict that is happening, but to assess the context, mm -hmm. the structural issues that are happening in any society. The context. Context, culture, uh, history, even geography, gender dynamics, you name it, race, yeah. ethnicity, mm -hmm. religion, and how they play a role in influencing what's happening in a conflict. Mm. Plus also understanding relationship dynamics, the, the bond that connects people, the power. Mm. If I can understand all those pieces while understanding the specific elements of what's happening in a conflict, yeah. then I may discover that there are effective ways or tools that can help to resolve a conflict in a certain society. Mm. And that's what I need to activate as an expert in conflict resolution. resolution. Let me give you a true example. Mm -hmm. I go back again to Liberia. Okay. Uh, where, uh, and actually I'll share also an example from another country to show mm -hmm. you the difference between mm -hmm. uh, different societies. Mm -hmm. uh, when I went to Liberia at that time, when I mentioned after the civil war mm -hmm. and I was doing assessment of peace building programs, I learned that after they stopped the violence and mm -hmm. things calmed down, suddenly there was an eruption of violence again between mm. two tribes living in the northern part of the country. Okay. And the violence uh, meant that uh, members of each group killed and burned and uh, destroyed property of each other. Mm. The problem is the two tribes have members across the entire Liberia and mm. even entire West Africa. So the fear was that if the news of what happened between them start to spread then the whole civil war will re-erupt again. Okay. So the government quickly sent a minister who is from that part of the country, from mm -hmm. the north, to try to do some, to defuse mm -hmm. the conflict. Mm -hmm. He went there and I spoke to him about his, uh, what he did to solve the conflict. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he did his assessment of the conflict before he went. Mm -hmm. And that based on what he understood and based on his knowledge of the area, mm -hmm. he knew very well that the two tribes had actually very positive historical relationship mm -hmm. for many, many years, hundreds of years. Oh, okay. And that this situation that happened was an exception. It's not the norm. Mm -hmm. You know, some tribes and some uh, community groups sometimes have very bad relations over mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. But those, no, they had very good relations over time. Mm -hmm. So he decided to develop a strategy to deal with the conflict based on his knowledge that they have a positive history of peaceful coexistence. Mm. So when he arrived to that place, he brought the leaders of the two groups and he told them that before we speak about what happened and who killed who and who burned whose home, I want you as the leaders of the two tribes to share with me, to recount the history of the relationship between your two tribes for the last 300 years. Oh. Now, this is not a strange question for those tribes mm -hmm. in that part of the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure if you try to ask the same question to, in other places, it may seem very strange. Mm -hmm. But for those people, that was a normal question. So actually, they started to recount different episodes of their interaction with each other over 300 years. All the examples they shared were very positive. One time there was famine in your area and we came and helped you. Mm -hmm. One time there was a hurricane and we came and gave you a place to stay. One time there was a common enemy and we fought together. Mm -hmm. They kept bringing up all those positive examples mm -hmm. and until they approached the day of the violence that happened. Mm -hmm. And that's when the minister posed mm -hmm. a question to them. Mm -hmm. He said, 
So are you going to be the leaders mm -hmm. who will ruin mm -hmm. 300 years of oh, cooperation? That's a powerful question. How will generations that have passed and generations that will come will judge you? Mm. He almost shames them, shames them for how they mishandled the conflict this time, did not honor the legacy of positive relationship of the ancestors, mm -hmm. and they, that they would be responsible for what will happen for the next generations. By changing their mindset, changing their attitude towards each other, mm -hmm. putting them in front of their historical responsibility. Yeah. He was able to set a positive tone to address what really happened and who killed who and who shot who and why. And then they decided to develop a model of punishing those who committed serious mm -hmm. crimes, mm -hmm. to develop model for compensation for others and even to do some forgiveness and mm -hmm. other approaches. And then they had a peace agreement where they developed strategies to prevent this conflict from becoming violent in the future. Okay. This model is perfect for that community, for that society. Mm -hmm. If you ask me how our societies can deal with conflict, I would say we need to look deep. Our community, into see the our, context, yeah. Exactly. And, to, and I am sure every community, every society has its own mechanisms yeah. that can work effectively to resolve conflicts, mm -hmm. be it from religion, yeah. be it from traditions and culture, be it from uh, just the pragmatic way of how to think of uh, interests and how to resolve conflicts. Mm -hmm. There are many variety of ways of doing this, yeah. and but we need the assessment that is comprehensive, mm -hmm. that will allow us to know what works in, in what, what given society. Thank you, Prof. Amal. So to the audience out there, um, this is, I think, a genius example because always when we are in a conflict, we tend to forget what are the beautiful memories that we have of that person. Perhaps if you sit for a while and think, she has been good to me, she has been supporting me all this while. And you see, to see this conflict only arise only a few days before or only maybe one year before, it's not worth to carry on with the conflict and mm -hmm. forget about all the good relationships and the positive and the possible good relationship with uh, the other person in the Absolutely. future. So I think that is at the interpersonal level I could get from, from your story. And then now uh, we are going towards the end of the program. Before we go there, uh, one question which I'd like to ask you. Um, um, I read uh, from your writings, you have been um, promoting the Islamic values uh, in uh, conflict resolution. So. This is what we do as well at USIM, University of Science Islam Malaysia. We always uh, like to link whatever we see uh, with what we already have in the legacy uh, of the religion. So perhaps can you tell us uh, your works re relating to Islamic perspective conflict resolution? Uh, of course, this has been the most precious part of my work in peace and conflict resolution mm -hmm. is the Islamic dimension. Mm -hmm. I have always been so attached to it mm -hmm. from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that uh, having studied Sharia mm -hmm. and Fiqh mm -hmm. for four years in the law school and then had some practice of that uh, Sharia and Fiqh in my work as prosecutor, then I went to study peace and conflict. Uh, that transformation mm -hmm. in terms of my academic discipline and professional work mm -hmm. led me to also change how I look at uh, our Islamic sources, mm -hmm. not from the classic uh, jurisprudence approach that mm -hmm. is called fiqh, 
-hmm. But to realize that the Quran and the Sunnah, they have way more about conflicts than simply the legal approach. Meaning, and to give you a concrete example, Mm -hmm. uh, and what really struck me and developed my entire scholarship about conflict resolution from Islamic perspectives Mm -hmm. came precisely from Surah Al-Baqarah, from verses 226 to 242. When you read those verses, 226 to 242, Mm -hmm. all of them deal with family conflicts. Yeah. Custody, child support, uh, uh, divorce, mm-hmm. and all different types. Mm-hmm. I found that there was a systemic way that the Quran and Kareem is at approaching those different conflicts. First, it gives you a hypothetical situation. Mm-hmm. Like, say, if you are married to a woman and uh, she is still pregnant and you are divorcing her. Mm-hmm. So that's a hypothetical situation. Okay. The second element is to give you a legal ruling. Okay. For example, let's say, you keep her in her home, you cannot get her out. Uh-huh. That's a legal ruling. Yeah. And most of the fiqh, all the fiqh actually, is about that legal ruling. Mm-hmm. So uh, one scholar will say that uh, what kind of home you keep for her? Mm-hmm. Is it her, her same home or can it be a different home? Mm-hmm. And they may differ and disagree for many good reasons on yeah. why they, they have different approaches. But this is the concentration of fiqh. Mm-hmm. However, what struck me was that there was something else mm-hmm. in those verses I call it element number three, which is the manner by which to do the legal ruling. And that came to me from the repetition of Mm -hmm. the the word ma'roof in those 15 verses. Mm -hmm. In those 15 verses dealing with conflict at a personal level and family level, the word Mm ma'roof is repeated 13 times. Mm -hmm. 13 out of 15 verses. Mm -hmm. What is ma'roof? Mm-hmm. Ma'roof is about not just being kind. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, if maybe in, in another uh, lecture, uh, discussion, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I can elaborate on the depths of the word ma'roof in Arabic and why the Quran Kareem is using this word, mm-hmm. not other words, mm-hmm. in the middle of conflict. Oh. In other words, the Quran is telling us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that when you are in the middle of conflict, and as you explained, I'm so angry with you, I am mm-hmm. so hateful, I see you as a demon. In the middle of this, yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, deal with the other side with ma'roof, mm. meaning with the utmost kindness, mm. that the other will understand it as kindness. Mm-hmm. And to do that in the middle of your hatred and anger and frustration, can you imagine the, how much this will diffuse yeah. the conflict? Yeah. And that's where I discovered the connection between what I'm studying in peace and conflict and what is written in the Quran. Mm-hmm that is not focused on because the fiqh focused more on the legal dimensions. And then the fourth element that I found that is systemically repeated across all conflicts in the Quran, by the way, is accountability to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning, if you don't do it with ma'roof like God is telling you, remember you're going to face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. Mm -hmm. And you will be held accountable. Mm-hmm. for your abuse of power or for mistreating people and so on. Mm-hmm. That made me realize that there is a whole dimension of the Quran mm-hmm. relating to how to deal with conflict mm-hmm. in a kind and compassionate way mm-hmm. that we need to analyze from the dimension of psychology and social science, but to do it with the love of Islam. Mm-hmm. This is critical because we are not talking here about, oh, so let's leave everything and go to... Uh, other theories coming from secular perspective. Of course, those are great theories. 
But what I am saying is it's a whole different story when you approach so, such ideas and concepts with your love and faith in Islam. And then you start to generate processes and practices for people that they and tools mm -hmm. that come directly from our sources from the Quran and Sunnah mm -hmm. and make it applicable to people to deal with conflict in a peaceful way and sustainable way as well. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Um, I've seen in the international law, at least if you talk about international law, there's one element which is called as reciprocity. Mm -hmm. That means if you do, if someone goes do good, then this country also do good. But in Islam, it's more than that. You don't need reciprocity at the first place because you have this compassion in the word ma'roof. Yeah. Yeah. And also in conflicts like this, we also have a spiritual dimension. That's right. That is connectedness to God, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. MashaAllah, exactly. Yeah. So thank you very much, uh, Prof. Amar, uh, Amar Abdullah, for this sharing. Uh, this is very useful for me and also for the public, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, for your information, inshallah, tomorrow, we are going to have a two days conference on on the conflict resolution which we will be focusing on international peace and for that conference we're going to have an audience from uh, law backgrounds we also have ngos academicians mm -hmm. students to come together even judges and also representative from uh, the turkish uh, embassy is also coming with us tomorrow inshallah so maybe can you tell us a bit on what will be the content for tomorrow? Just a little bit. Yes. Um, inshallah, this, uh, first, again, I would like to repeat my gratitude to you and to your university. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to the workshop tomorrow and Friday. Yeah. Uh, we will be discussing some of the key principles and foundations mm -hmm. of the field of peace and conflict resolution. Uh, like we discussed uh, in mm -hmm. this uh, uh, discussion. Yeah. However, we will apply it to the international level. And, uh, and the national level as well. Mm -hmm. And to see how actually conflicts, whether happening at the international level mm -hmm. or in the family level, they have very similar dynamics. Yeah. And uh, how we deal with them yeah. uh, also has a lot of similarities. So dealing with conflict wisely, as mm -hmm. you said, and achieving sustainable peace will be the objectives of what we will do tomorrow, yeah. except with an application to the national and international level. So thank you very much to be with us. And with this, we hope that everyone will watch this. It's going to stay long in the in the media. All right. So welcome to Malaysia. Welcome back always to Malaysia as your second home. You can come in. Absolutely. It you, is. You like. Okay. And uh, so we thank everyone who uh, have been with us for the entire time. So this is USIM Live, TV Live. We always have lots of uh, information and sharing uh, for you to watch at all times. And uh, always be with us. Don't forget to like, follow, and share our channel. So thank you very much. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Assalamualaikum. Thank you. You seem podcast.